Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Okay, let me let me just do this thing because I've let other people say it and just not shut them up a few times, but it just need to bite the bullet here. Um, if you could go to your podcast app, internet browser, whatever you use to listen to this show and other shows, leave a, a like, a subscribe, a review. I'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. I'd like to know what you're thinking of the show. Um, I also have a YouTube page, YouTube backslash pa howdy i think but it's also in the description of the show um i'd really like to know if you're enjoying the videos or which videos are helpful or not helpful liking and subscribing i'm assuming you know how youtube works finally i also have a patreon page um it's free almost everything i post on there is free i do try and keep a few little things for patreons to say thank you but like access to it is for all levels support on there is just support it's not a product i'm selling i try not to do ads i don't do ads anywhere <laughs> um i don't sell you anything but if you have a dollar this month or every month three dollars or whatever you can or can't afford it's just fine with me but i'd really appreciate any help you could give me with any of that if you find any value entertainment or anything else in any of my work so yeah, ch- check them out, I guess. And now I have fully sleezed myself up. Uh, we need to do something else. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's go. Let's let's do something more fun. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I write for Dynasty League Football, DLF.com, and this is in fact a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Thanks for checking it out. I was meant to record an episode of the Dynasty Crossroads with Blake Hampton. Um, in fact, I did. We did record it, just, just so everyone knows I wasn't the one that flaked. Sorry, Blake. Um, no, we recorded it. I released it as a YouTube video um, that's available through Patreon. Um, also YouTube, I guess, if you can figure out where it is. I don't even know. Um, unfortunately, we... Okay, let's just blame it all on Blake. Blake wasn't exactly happy with the way he phrased everything that he wanted to say. He thinks he can do it a little bit better, or maybe he wanted to add a little bit more. Um, and so I agreed just to re-record it. Unfortunately, since then, we have had continuous scheduling problems basically i couldn't make it he couldn't make it he couldn't make it let's just again blame blake and so uh that leaves me with a blank spot for this week which is probably a really good thing actually because week one of the nfl football season is actually starting off now next week whenever you're listening to this it's either happened or it's about to happen so i thought having a show just before the season starts about where i've ended up after a whole off season would be a really good take i've noticed over the few years I've been doing this, that 
especially when we get into the season or towards the season, takes seem to change, or at least the volume of different takes becomes remarkably different, especially in my small little bubble on social media and in the DLF and Dynasty space. And don't do that much. I'm almost always looking at it from the point of view as if the se- if the season's about to start. That makes me miss out on a lot of value. It makes me sometimes skip over steps that you should probably make if you're trying to play a league perfectly. Um, as John Bosch is continually trolling and proving. Um, I should pay more attention to it. This week, for example, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn values all jumped up and down. To use a term by Zach Reeb from the Dynasty Dummy podcast, which I love and going to adopt Steel and never mention the fact that he invented it. Um, for fantasy football, at least, it's, it's a micro-market scheme and it's a really good thing to take advantage of. I just find value so... Unfun. It's not what I find fun about Dynasty. Not that I don't want to play well, so I try and take advantage of it. It's just, it's not what gets me hyped. So that's been going on a lot this week. Uh, Antonio Gibson in Washington right now. Everyone's really high on him all of a sudden, and everyone and their mother basically wants to get in on the train so they have tweets and a a record of them being high on Gibson for if it happens, they can call back that tweet or never mention it again. And that's not a joke, like that happens way too much. For example, someone just sent me a note that I had to remove Trey Quinn from the projections for week one because he has been cut by the team. And yet the volume of people that were telling me I was just too high or missing out on the outlier or not reading the data correctly on Trey Quinn, nowhere to be found. Happens a lot in Dynasty. Um, and it shouldn't. And I try to do the opposite of that, um, which is why I always kind of have this season's about to start mentality in my ranks. So... Enough fluffing myself, I guess. It's just trying to give you the perspective of where I come from and why my ranks probably make more sense now than they did midway through the offseason, maybe. It's not the best way of playing, but it's the way I play. It's the way I find fun. So, I recorded a video for YouTube recently looking at ADP versus me. Catchy title, right? Uh, Essentially looking at Dynasty League football position ranks and comparing them to my own position ranks because I uh, I actually do rankings for Dynasty League football, DLF. Um, in their 2QB two, two um, ranking section, you'll find my ranks. So I looked at the position ranking where, you know, ADP is mostly looking at single quarterback, not superflex. Um, although we do have superflex ADP now. Um, so anyway, I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at the regular ADP. So I looked through position ranking to see who I'm highest and lowest on. I actually scuffed that video a little bit because I was looking at the average rank instead of my actual rank. And so it didn't come out exactly well. So I thought that might fit well on the week before the podcast. Who am I exceptionally high on? Who am I exceptionally low on? And then maybe talk a little bit about my week one projections that I just finished off. So, you know, I, I haven't I haven't scoured it for the best takes that would make the best podcast. But I think a few things might jump off the page to start with. So, starting off with uh, Dynasty League ADP versus my positional ranks. Where I'm at and where I've mostly been. Like, my ranks has to be something... Uh, I try to have strong takes. For example, Antonio Gibson. There are people out there that deserve credit right now. One of those names, and I'm almost always on the opposite side of Travis May, but Travis May deserves a great deal of respect. I, He's a nerd. Not that he, he... He hides it well by being really into football and really high T-level, but he's a nerd. He knows the data, and yet we always end up on opposite platforms. It's not like his pro, his process is opposite of mine, but not in the same way that we usually frame it on the Dynasty Crossroad, where there's film takes and analytics takes. He's an analytics take machine, 
and yet we always end up in a different place. Um, and he's got strong takes with good process. So I really respect his takes and I really enjoy arguing with him because it's more fun to argue with someone who knows what they're talking about, frankly. And um, he's been exceptionally high on Antonio Gibson for years now. He's, he's more into Davy than I'll ever be. So uh, he's been more into Antonio Gibson than most people for a long time. He had uh, Antonio Gibson above Keyshawn Vaughn before this recent news outbreak of, you know, um, Washington and uh, Tampa Bay running back backfield shifting, essentially. So the reason I said that's a strong take is he's going through player evaluation, which most people pretend they're doing and then they're dumping situation on top which is the way it should be done situation should be the last positive or negative is it good or bad but largely not a not a sway indicator from from my perspective at least but this recent these recent depth chart changes are not why he's high on gibson he always had gibson ahead of Keyshawn vaughn that's a strong take that's a pathway opening up for a player that you really liked who thought could earn a pathway otherwise People arguing for Gibson over Keyshawn Vaughn now because of the situation have a weak player evaluation. They're trying to hide it by capitalizing on news they could not have foreseen coming. That, to me, is a weak take. So there are the people out there that deserve a lot of credit for being high on Gibson or a lot of, uh, not praise, not, nothing's happened yet. Maybe credit's the wrong word, but they deserve to wear the truth of crown, if you will. I, I knew this guy could earn a position by himself. Now it's just become a little bit easier. That's a very different thing to, oh, a narrative's opened up. I must find where the crowd is going so I can get out ahead of it and be the highest on Antonio Gibson. That, that's a weak take season, and it happens a lot of this time of year. I still am higher on Keyshawn Vaughn. My my rookie ranks haven't changed. That's because his profile was better. Now, I have excuses in the bag for the, <laughs> if the other way happens. For example, um, Gibson profile does not match well to running backs in the past because he wasn't playing running back. He barely ran the ball in college, although he did it significantly. So most of my knowledge of his skill in that area has to come from people who, frankly, do more tape watching or any tape watching to try and um, understand what this player is and what he might be capable of in the NFL. He does not compare to past running backs because he had a career that's drastically different. And the way I fall on that is the NFL doesn't like different either. They typically don't like it. They they don't experiment much in the NFL as much as we're led to believe before the season starts every year that this is going to be different. I, I don't know it is. Now... From Travis May and others like him, we've actually done the work with good process and have good take, good strong takes. Gibson seems to be displaying that, and yet still in the back of my mind, I know that Vaughn's profile is more comparable to past running backs, and it's decent. And I know he's now behind Leonard Fournette, and that's the way I have it ranked and everything else, but I still think he himself compares okay to decent running backs of the past. Not great, but decent running backs. He has a receiving skill set from college, so on and so forth. So that is a, that's my way of profiling him, whereas Gibson just is uncomparable. It's not like that isn't valuable and that or that we shouldn't take shots at him because of that. But essentially what I'm saying is I was happy to take Gibson in the second earlier in the offseason, and I'm happy to take Keyshawn Vaughn in the second now just before the season, or at that value since rookie drafts are long done with by now. And that's the order that you should do it. Those like Travis May could have helped us be high enough on Gibson to make sure we got him earlier. And now you could be profiting from that mini market. That is not something I managed. I'm not taking credit for that. Travis May got that right. Not that he got it right because he didn't see it coming. Because 
we don't know how the future is going to unfold, but his take would have helped us get there. And that, I think, is a very strong point. And, you know, kudos to Travis May and those like him. They got this one right because they can at least exploit this mini market. And we'll see how the season plays out for if the take uh, proves itself to be true. I still relying, however, on the fact that I can know more about how Keyshawn Vaughn's going to perform in the NFL because he's more comparable to past running backs and he compares decently. And Gibson's just more of a question mark and the NFL doesn't like experimentation. One way to go with an anti-Gibson take, by the way, which is, I think, where I would stand. Right now, I get it. I'm happy to have the Gibson on my rosters where I do, because I drafted in the second round in a few places earlier in the offseason. But one way to go about it is if you only saw 30 rushes from Keyshawn Vaughn, and they happen to be 30 really good rushes, and that's the problem with a small sample, we would probably be higher on Keyshawn Vaughn than the overall course of his career actually tells us. He's a little bit more middling than advantageous. So what if Gibson's few touches, while not playing that position primarily, were just a good sample, an overly good sample. So even when watching it, you're seeing the best and not the median of his potential, and therefore we're overestimating it. That's a problem with a small sample size, and it's also a problem with a question mark profile. By all means, don't take my word for it on running back, but that's that would be the start of an anti-Gibson take at this point. And I think I would be exploiting a mini-market value for him and frankly, Ronald Jones as well in the opposite direction, and Keyshawn Vaughn in the opposite direction, um, because of the way this mini-market has worked just before the season starts. But anyway, if you love Gibson, I'm telling you not to love Gibson. I'm just telling you where I think the problem is, is going too far all in. Where His value right now, it's a really good time to get out with that amount of question marks. But if you've watched it, and you trust your process, and you've done a little bit of work, um, even just a little bit, I mean, I'm not going to try and convince anyone otherwise, but I can tell you where the problem is. So that's where I'm at. Anyway, I went into a really long Gibson talk there that I didn't intend to. But So let's just get to Dynasty League football ranks, where I differ from ADP. The players that I'm lowest on, let's start low and end high, I guess. Players, the what I did is compare the positional ranks, and then I compared the difference between my positional ranks and ADP's positional ranks by the round in which they're drafting. So essentially, it created a scale. For example, having Tyree kill four spots below average is less significant than having Terry McClellan 18 spots below average in the positional rankings because Terry McClellan's taken in round one, so really four spots don't make a lot of difference. I'm still taking them in the same round if the, if the draft falls a certain way. Whereas Terry McClellan, I'm creating an entire above one round difference. So I won't be taking him in the round he's currently being drafted at. He has to fall to get into my lap for, in order for him to find his way into my roster. So I created kind of a scale. So it's not just ranking by positional rank difference, but also by the round in which they're drafted according to ADP. I thought that was kind of a neat way of looking at it. Anyway, the player I'm lowest on based on that scale, positional rank difference divided by the round they're taking on, is DJ Chark. I have him as wide receiver 53, which even I think is a little too... There's a lot of hate in that rank, okay? A lot of, you know, Keelan Cole trauma syndrome, Alan Robinson trauma syndrome, and 
even some Marcus Lee trauma syndrome. I just don't trust the Jaguars. And you could add this to the Gibson take for by example. That one argument is that Washington loves this question mark because they're depleting their running back death chart and really relying on this rookie with minimal running back experience. They must love what they're seeing in camp, etc., etc. Another one is Washington really doesn't care about this season. They're depleting their roster and they're just going to play with whoever's left, who they can't get value of, who they can't save money by cutting. Both narratives work, which is how you can see that kind of argument of situational analysis devolves into a narrative, not something that actually helps you at above 50% rate of guessing what's going to happen. With DJ Chark, I might be going a little narrative here, but I think we can see a similar thing from the Jaguars. I love Minshew. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the, some of the most fun you can have in fantasy football right now is being a Minshew fan. Bobby Koch, please don't hurt me. I just, you know... I think the Jaguars are relying on him a little bit because they're not playing entirely for this season. That's a narrative, but it's just as strong as the opposite narrative that DJ Chark is the guy and the reason they haven't added, the reason they haven't done much is because they really believe in it. Having said that, DJ Chark had an incredible season last year. He had a decent-ish profile, enough that, you know, took a flyer on him here and there, but I've sold quite happily this offseason. I don't... I think his profile looks more like someone that doesn't repeat from college. I remember college statistics are half as predictive as NFL statistics. So if you're betting on his NFL statistics, you're actually taking the higher probability bet. But taking this team and the situation and the overall context into play, I just, I don't know, guys. I, I don't see it. So my my 60%, the 60% we can't predict of the NFL season has DJ Chark Despite being really good in the NFL last year and fully earning the right and the potential to be high on him, I just, I, I'm not seeing it. And if you don't want him at his current wide receiver 19 value, it becomes, it becomes frankly a lie for me to tell you that I would take him over other players who I think have better potential once all the context is taken into play and a player at that 60% we can't predict in my mind that I would take him over those guys. I, I wouldn't. And so he just drops in projection rank. I don't want to rank him high just so my rankings look like they have a higher R-squared rating or whatever nerdy stat they want to apply to my rankings after the season. There's way too much of that in fantasy football. I wouldn't want him on my roster. I'd want to take lower odds bets based on the way I play out that 60% because I believe in that player more once I take in all the context and make a story for myself. That's why he's so low. Last year was great. You're taking the high probability bet on that 40% of the season that we can predict reasonably accurately. But when I try and build out the whole 100%, he he doesn't get there. So I wouldn't make that bet. And that's why it's so extreme. It's not because if you love DJ Chark, like you should believe that 40% is really strong in his favor. He was great last season. He has decent draft capital, an okay college profile. And lack of competition, all that stuff that you want to throw on top of that. Anyway, I've said it. That's that's why I'm that low. It's not because I believe in him, disbelieve in him that much. It's just because I would take lower odd shots over him, because you've got to make a decision at that some point. As my co-host or ex-co-host, oh, sad, used to say, and that's my decision. I'm, I'm just pegging that guy to be the one that shouldn't fall but is going to fall. And there are a few others like Terry McLaurin as well. So, who else is on the list? Joe Mixon is actually my second 
lowest ranked player based on this scale I've made. I have him as running back 13. He's currently ranked as running back 7. Being drafted in the first round, that means I don't get Joe Mixon unless he falls to the second or at least the end of the first. I am not comfortable with this rank. I think it sucks. I think Joe Mixon is a three-down back who's shown remarkable production in the NFL. Not great, but good on a pretty average to below average team. Like, I don't like this rank. I'm seeing Scott Barrett and a lot of people projecting that Joe Burrow can be the outlier as a rookie quarterback and really improve this offense. And if Scott Barrett says it, I'm probably wrong. But, I just like taking other shots. Again, my rankings include that 60%. I don't have strong, the analytics prove you wrong, takes all the time, especially in my hate column. I'm building out a 60% that I can't, with a straight face, say are not based on narrative. That's what I spent the offseason doing. You know, trying to give the brass text of what we can know and what we can't know. Now I'm building it out in my head, which is always where you should fade me if you don't agree, frankly. And so Joe Mixon, I still have him ranked really high. Running back 13 is ver- is an extremely good rank in Dynasty football for a ran- running back. I just, I like taking my shots on Eckler. I like taking my shots on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I see more upside there. I, I, I trust the teams that they're on a little bit better. And I don't have to bet on that outlier rookie quarterback season. Having said that, again, really strong minds are on the exact opposite point of view. I hate this rank of Joe Mixon. I hate that he's my second least favorite player when I scale it this way. Third player, I'm perfectly okay again with being low. Terry McLaurin is ranked as a wide receiver 21 in Dynasty League ADP. I have him ranked as a wide receiver 39. Again, it's an extreme rank for the same reason DJ Chark is. It's not that I think that's reasonable. I'm, it's just when I build everything into context, when I'm perfectly honest with you and my whoever's looking at my ranks, I would take lower odd bets because I believe more on that's... I get, I, the 60% of the story that I build out based on primarily narrative sees him not hitting again. I I just don't believe in Washington. Again, you could just see this a bad teams list, I guess. But I think Washington are more tanking the season than relying on a player who did exceptionally. And believe me, I have stalked. Now, DJ Chalker can make some arguments about whether that is numbers weren't quite as good as what you may think. But Terry McLaurin, in his rookie season, producing that well... Literally having him low, being low on that guy, especially a fourth round player or whatever he was. Like, I love people with less draft capital. That's my thing. But I just, I hate his college profile outside of that, man. I just hate it. And when I look at Washington, I see a team that's not trying. And that's why it looks good for him. And that's my 60%. That's where I end up. And so I end up taking some of those rookies that I'm high on for this year. Again, it's a lower odds bet. You probably shouldn't make it if you're not there. All the statistics from a rookie season say this is the stupidest thing to do with last year's rookie class. I agree, but I'm doing it. That's where I'm at. I'm 18 spots below. He's been drafted in the fourth round. He'd have to drop two rounds for me to take him at that value. I'm an idiot, but that's where I'm at. Third low, uh, Fourth lowest player I'm on is Tyreek Hill. I don't find this one significant. He's ranked as a wide receiver three. I have him as a wide receiver seven. Like, it doesn't take much for him to end up on my roster. I just... I don't know. Um, why is he there for me? I'd have to go look at my exact wide receiver ranks. I just think I pr- I prefer lower dot, more dependable, higher volume guys. Tyreek Hill's had off-field problems, but that's not the reason I have him low here. This is just cold, hard fantasy opinion. Well, not cold and hard since I'm building narrative in. This is just... 
there's way too many ways in which Tyreek Hill becomes unrelevant, whether it's lack of volume, whether it's an injury, whether it's an off-sea problem. I still have him ranked in the top seven of wide receivers in Dynasty, and I find I I mean that as a really strong rank of this guy is very valuable in our Dynasty, incredibly valuable. I just don't, I trade that value because I'm unsure of the player. Uh, on the best offense in football, fine. Uh, the next player I'm lowest on is Henry Ruggs. I think everyone knows my Henry Ruggs take right now, but especially going to 2020, I'm not expecting an awful lot as a rookie. And uh, McCall Hardman comes next. Does, he's not done anything good. Stop it. Stop dividing. Stop looking at efficiency on a really small sample size and thinking that means so much. I can make, I think I can make an honest to God really strong analytics take here, but also there's nowhere on that depth chart. I don't care how much you say he's just behind Tyreek Hill or how Tyreek Hill's struggling to get enough volume to make me secure in my projection of the seventh wide receiver overall. You think he's going to be the wide receiver 39 in Dynasty? That's just like there are much higher, higher odd shots there for me with much more pass to success and already current success. I mean, you can get, get T.Y. Hilton's mothers around that range. Hell, hell no, am I going for a McCall Harmon? That just sucks. Um, Raheem Mostar is next on the list. That doesn't count because despite his ADP rank, no one values him that highly. That is a lying rank when no one wants to admit that n- no one believes it. <laughs> Michael Pittman is next on the list. I'm just low on that rookie profile and really high on Zach Pascal, who is my undrafted free agent of the season. I'm still, I still own Kendrick Bourne. I have more Kendrick Bourne on my rosters than, um, Zach Pascal, but that's just because I've had a harder time adding Zach Pascal this offseason, which tells you something about the Zach Pascal market. I'm just saying Zach Pascal's had just as good of a season as most second, third year players right now. Uh, the reason he's low is because everyone believes in Pittman, who's a rookie, and I don't, sorry Travis May, I just don't see it in his rookie profile despite the transfer. Um, and also we still have, uh, what's his name, Zach? What's, what's his name? Paris Campbell. We still have Paris, right? Um, who, you know, on his one touch caught a touchdown, or on his seven touches caught a touchdown, so it looks efficient. Again, I just don't believe in the rookie profile. Zach Pascal's been really good. if slightly inefficient in yards per team pass attempt, but pretty decent for an undrafted free agent playing that role on a depth chart. Like, I, I just think he's he's the Kendrick Bourne on that team. And uh, he's going to be productive, but not maybe a top 24 wide receiver. But I want to bet on those undrafted free agents just in case there's more than I can see. Because I love undrafted free agents, and that's the way it is. Um, all right, uh, Jerry Judy's next on the list. Again, it's just I'm lower on rookies. I think their value stays the same or drops, especially after a rookie season where no one knows what a good rookie wide receiver season expectation is. And it's 10% of the team's market share, 400 yards, and maybe a couple of touchdowns. That's not what we're expecting of rookies at where they're ranked right now. Um Hopefully Judy can prove me wrong, but maybe not because that probably means bad stuff for Cortland Sutton, and I'm a really big fan of him this year. Uh, all right, running backs. I've got to name a few running backs that I haven't already. Uh, Kenyon Drake, particularly low on him. He's ranked wide receiver running back 17 by ADP. I have him running back 26. He has to drop pretty much a round before I'd put him on my team. Like I just don't want Kenyon Drake. I, I want to snatch up the backups on that team. That's a team I'm strongly targeting the backups of. Uh, Chase Edmonds is a highly rostered prospect. I just I don't think he's ever shown a capacity to take more of a workload, which is what we would need for him to have upside at running back 17. 
and uh, I just argued with this with uh, Lauren on the last podcast. I don't think I need to go into it too much. Darius Slayton, I think that's just a mirage. Sorry, Bobby Koch again, don't kill me. I, I just think, and I, I love, I, again, I have to just say this a lot, twice this podcast. I do love players with less draft capital, have fantastic rookie seasons. And Darius Slayton's another person, like McLaurin, like Chark, had a great season last last year. I just think it's a bit of a mirage based on his college profile, based on some of the efficiency on that volume. I think it looks better than maybe we think it is. But, you know, Bobby's a smart guy and he loves Slayton. Um, next on the list is Ronald Jones, and I have not adjusted this rank since, since the recent trade. I'm just loving Ronald Jones. Like, how many years do we have to project that a player can do something that he's never done, either in college or in the NFL, and he's getting outcarried by Peyton Barber, and still people are willing to go in on him. Right now, my rank's probably more close to consensus. Running back 50, I have him at. Before the Leonard Fournette trade, he was at running back 33, which meant that I was 17 spots below. I imagine Ronald Jones is a, rank, is a lot, little bit lower now. I would say go trade for him, but I imagine the person in your league that has Ronald Jones doesn't have him at running back 50. But, you know, learning from John Bosch and trying to get better at that what I consider boring, but very, very good aspect of fantasy football. It's something good to take advantage of. Should probably throw out an offer for thirds on players like that, just in case someone's willing to give up, because there might be a mini market in his future. Personally, nah, I just don't want to roster him. Um, all right, so that's the hate list, I guess. Um, that was longer than I thought. Who, who do I love? Um, I'm highest overall, based on this scale, on Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. Those are the top two players I have ranked much higher above consensus once you divide by draft round. Look, I've looked at Odell Beckham's stats real hard in several different ways. There is no sign of a drop-off. Odell Beckham did not forget how to play football. He's still really good. I mean, he had the same efficiency last year in yards per team pass attempt as Mike Evans with a lower ADOT. Mike Evans' ADOT is around 15. Odell Beckham's is around 13 last year. And Odo Beckham was as efficient, which is harder to do on a lower ADOT. He had more targets than he did the year before on, um, on what team did he play for? On the Giants. Like, there was no sign of a drop-off. This is pure hate because people apparently don't like him. And I get it. And I don't really like being this high on the Cleveland offense. Both their wide receivers are low to me. But right now, Landry is a wide receiver 34, which just based on his overall finishes of the last year is just insanity that's value like, like you look up value in a dictionary you get his position ranked by dynasty league dynasty league football adp right now that is insane i have him as wide receiver 18 and i still think that's low odo beckham i have him as wide receiver four just because i'm crazy nuts over this and adp has him as wide receiver 12 which is fair he doesn't have to drop around for me to get him or for someone else to get him off me someone could easily snipe me at that value and Landry, I'm getting him like three rounds above anyone else opponent to Dynasty League Football ADP. Um, but all of this depends on Baker Mayfield stepping it up this year. I'm not a quarterback evaluator. I have no idea if he's capable of that. But I like to believe he is because he has got a stud receiving core. Like an extremely studly receiving core between Landry Beckham and Hooper. Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles would have trouble failing with this lineup. But... Maybe he can. Maybe he's that bad. Maybe he's worse than both. But yeah, um, just in terms of value, and that this is based on the 40%, but also when I build out that 60% that 
Both of them seem way too low. The next guy I'm highest on is like a really... It's actually a deep name now, and I get it. He's well into his 30s at this point. But Emmanuel Sanders, I have him ranked as wide receiver 43, which seems really fair to me. It's around about what Randall Cobb did last year in an older season on a new offense. And he's going to an older... He's going as an older player to a new offense with Drew Brees. Michael Thomas is his competition, who will be, obviously, the receiving core. But, like, Drew Brees hasn't had someone as talented as Emmanuel Sanders on the team since Jimmy Graham outside of Michael Thomas. Like, yeah, I'll soak all of that up. He's currently ranked by Dynasty League Football ADP as wide receiver 73. That's not hating on age. That's just not wanting free flex value wide receiver points on your bench that's yeah give me all of that next player i'm highest on again i have not adjusted this since his new contract got released but keenan allen it makes no sense that he's wide receiver 22 we may have seen the best of keenan allen but the middling value of keenan allen is a lot better than at least 10 other wide receivers being ranked above him right now in dynasty league football adp stop it quit it i have him as wide receiver 14 and i still feel low I got nothing else to say about that. He's a great player at a decent age. The quarterback change, interestingly enough, does make me nervous about him. Uh, for example, Adam Thielen. He's a few years older, but hasn't sustained a, hasn't sustained a quarterback change. That makes me a little more positive on Adam Thielen's season this year than Keenan Allen. But both of them are underranked by Dynasty League Football ADP, as far as I can see. Uh, let's see, DeAndre Hopkins is the next guy on the list I love, which I actually have to change. I'm going to come back down to consensus on that, just because his value is going to drop. I think he's going to have a Odell Beckham year. It'll be good, and everyone will think it's bad. And uh, then I'll buy him, buy him a lot, because I'm not scared that he's going to be 30 by then, or nearly 30 by then. Uh, let's see, Nick Chubb. Apparently, I'm two spots higher by consensus, but that's not a lot given the fact that he's drafting the first round. Same with Dalvin Cook. Um, mostly, I don't get those players on my dynasty team, so it's neither here nor there. Uh, Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun Jackson uh, complete the list. Oh, Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, Tyler Boyd, and then Matt Breida. I think all of those, anyone who's listened to any or read any of my conduct, understand why I keep betting on these players that are very productive at decent ages and everyone else starts to fade him like I don't I don't get why you wouldn't want Deshaun Jackson above wide receiver 91 which is where DLF ADP ranks him I get upside shots but take him earlier Deshaun Jackson's going to provide you like good weeks this year and any year he plays we know who he is like that's just so, so much a better bet than at least 30 other players that again draft him above him for any kind of predictable analytic take anyway Julio Jones, yeah, everyone's scared of age. Larry Fitzgerald, yeah, everyone's scared of age. But the 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 ranks so low, they, they look free to me. And again, Julio Jones is ranked thirteenth. That doesn't seem low. But by then, you're in the third round. Yeah, yeah, give me Julio Jones in the second all day. Tyler Boyd, weirdly, despite being lower on the narratives around Tyler Boyd, like I don't think he has a top twelve upside. I think he has top twenty four upside. But we're not ranking him or drafting him there. We're drafting him as wide receiver 30. That seems crazy to me for people, for a community that keeps arguing a higher upside than I see. I have a stronger floor projection here as wide receiver 22. 
And I thought I should be low on Tyler Boyd there, but instead he's wide receiver 30 because no one's got the stomach to go with their strong takes, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> throw some shade there. But no, I, I love wide, getting wide Tyler Boyd as a top 24 wide receiver. I think that's what he is. I think he's great. I've always loved Tyler Boyd. Um, Matt Breida is probably the only one that takes a little bit of... Not really. He's in, he's in Miami. I just think he's one of the better bets to take over some of that volume. If you're looking for a running back who's shown skill in both rushing and receiving in the NFL, efficient on a team with a, an uncertain depth chart, that just screams Matt Breeder to me. Um, he's been drafted as running back 55. I have him ranked as running back 35, which is not a strong take at all, or strong rank, sorry. It is a strong take. Um, either way, I, I take him at least two rounds above where he's going right now based on Dynasty League Football ADP. Uh, oh, uh, Will Fuller. I have him ranked a whole round ahead, a whole 12 spots ahead of Dynasty League Football positional rank ADP right now. He's ranked as wide receiver 45. I think he has, honestly to God, the most upside of any pick we can make this year. And I get why, and you know why, that might not happen. But at wide receiver 45, yeah, give give me Will Fuller a round or two earlier. I'll take I'll take that better day. I'm also higher on pretty much every rookie running back according to this list. Like I, as I've mentioned on every podcast, I just think we're way too low on this year based on fear. This has been already 30 minutes, but let me look at week one projections just to give you some expectation of where I'm at uh, for week one. Given the schedule, I'm adjusting projections now based on Vegas lines. So I'm adjusting the touchdown efficiency literally by the projected touchdown output of Vegas lines because I think that would be a cool way to go about it. Um, right now, I am highest in quarterbacks on Jared Goff. I have him finishing as the top 12 quarterback in week one. In Dallas, away on the road. Um, according to the Vegas lines that I downloaded from Rotowire, um, the team's projected produced around four touchdowns, which is pretty good. Um, I, I don't know why Consensus has him 10 spots lower than me, to be honest. I know he's away. I know he's Jared Goff, but we expect the team to be decent against a team we expect to be phenomenally pass-heavily and productive. Like That all leads to a pass-heavy game script. Uh, based on the way these projections come out at least, and I end up 10 spots higher in week one. So that's a pretty good streamer if he ends up on your waiver wire. If he's not, if he's a waiver wire candidate, I'm not actually sure of his redraft ADP. I'm also six spots higher than uh, I'm using uh, fantasypros.com week one projections to do this comparison, by the way. Um, I'm six spots higher on Matthew Stafford. I'm 10 spots higher on Terry Bridgewater, but that seems like a floor play in desperation. 10 spots higher on Joe Burrow, 11 on Baker Mayfield, 13 on Mitch Trubisky, who I expect to be the starter in week one, as per the recent reports. At running back, I guess being three spots higher on Barkley and Jacobs isn't so hot. I'm five spots higher being on Clyde Ebersolaire. I have him finishing as a running back five week one. Um, and Fantasy Pros has him as running back 10, I guess. That seems like a strong conflict uh, between the two rankings or the two projections there i am lowest on at running back Kenyon drake as i was just talking about i don't see him picking up as much volume as fantasy pros and most of the consensus ranks do and um, i have him nine spots below the fantasy pros rank i have him as running back 18 week one certainly startable i'm not not starting him 
but I don't see him finishing close to that wide receiver 12 spot going up against San Francisco, even at home for Arizona, that I expect to have a more pass-happy game script with plenty of pass catches to take those away from Drake. But he'll have a decent role. I'm not saying sit in week one. And again, week one, I'm higher on a few rookie running backs like Cam Akers. I, I expect him to take more of that role earlier than Fantasy Pro's projections do right now. Also, Sony Michelle, just because I expect New England to run, especially against Miami, even away on the road, I expect him to get about four touchdowns. I think Sony Michelle's kind of last man standing, and in week one, I don't have many health concerns for him. All right, wide receiver. Running through this quickly, I know. Uh, let's see, who am I highest on? Will Fuller, especially week one. His hamstring can't be injured week one, right? Well, it probably can. But anyway, hopefully, I'm hoping he gets a role. So in week one, he's a top 13 wide receiver for me. That's 20 spots higher than Fantasy Pros. They're, they are definitely not as willing to go in on Fuller week one as me. And that's very fair. That's very reasonable. But like, I see all the upside in him. And 12 spots low on DeAndre Hopkins. I just... I think we get the targets. I think even studs have trouble fitting into an offense, especially that early in week one. San Francisco, it's a pretty well-managed team. They'll have a plan for the wide receiver corps. And again, I was just saying, no, well, that's just facts. Right now, I'm 12 spots lower than Hopkins. Um, who am I high on? Marcus Brown, I guess. I have him six spots higher than Fantasy Pros, but he's outside the top 24 wide receivers. But I do see some upside there. Uh, tight ends. Any surprise at tight ends? It's literally the first time I'm looking through it, guys. I, I let the model run, and this is my review of it. Let's see. Um, first one that catches my attention, I have Evan Ingram as a wide receiver 6 in week 1. Oh, tight end 6 in week 1. That's 3 spots higher, which is significant. But, you know, he's rostered. Uh, who might not be rostered? I have Jerry Cock three spots higher in week one than Fantasy Pros. He's probably rostered, though. I'm five spots low on Hunter Henry, which seems low against Cincinnati at home. Hmm. But Philip Rivers isn't there anymore. I think we might be overestimating the tight end usage, although Hunter Henry is clearly proven when healthy. And in week one, again, we shouldn't really be concerned as much with health concerns. So, yeah, I'm probably a little too low on Henry, but... That's where it came out at. Uh, I'm 12 spots higher on Jimmy Graham. I think he has fantasy-relevant streaming ability in Week 1 against Detroit at home. Alan Robinson, the only other decent pass catcher. I do have a lot of hope for Trubisky this year. I think he can be adequate. I'm not buying into the offseason, he's going to be great, he's improved a lot, type coach speak reports. But Jimmy Graham on several teams now has proven he can earn a role, still be better than most streaming tight ends. Um, and I think in that particular matchup in week one, he's going to catch a touchdown. That's pretty much all you need to do to catch streamer value, right? So anyway, that's a quick glance through my week one projections right now. They're up on Patreon. They're going to be out on Player Profiler pretty soon. Uh, so check them out in those places. So I'm out of here. Hope some of that is useful. Please hold me to and own me for all of these takes. Um, yeah, really appreciate you checking out the Dynasty Crossroads, and I will talk to you again next week. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so... 
Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete and Numa, it's a place they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete and Numa, it's a place they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete and Numa, it's a place they're analytical.